We are talking about God's great plans, and uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Pause, just hold right there for a moment. I, I, I'm not going to, I have taught so much on the context this month regarding that scripture, about building where you are, trusting God for your future. I... I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to go in this particular area today. I don't know if you've already looked through your notes. Don't, you don't have to right now. Just walk with me through this. Uh, we're going we're gonna to go someplace with this because when God says he has a hope, he has plans for you, and they're good plans, it's not like when other people say that. Right? Amen. Amen. Listen, before, before I get any further, I want to welcome Tom right back. Tom, it's good to have you home, brother. Tom's been, he, he was part of the team that went to the Gulf Coast to uh, give assistance there with, with the uh, Virginia Beach Fire Department, and we just welcome you back. Thank you, brother. When you're there, when you're there we're there. We also have a group that is in North Carolina, finishing up today, working with Operation Blessing Matt and Katie Lynn, Becca, Lee Kell is all there uh, right now, so... Uh, we're really grateful for that. Now, come back to me. God, somebody say, God is a God of a hope and a future. So, now listen, when God says hope and a future, he doesn't say it like some, some other people say. Well, you know, just, have you ever had somebody say, just trust me, and you thought, right. Anybody been there? Uh, so, today I want to I wanna talk about God's great plan for believers. Are there any believers? Anybody believe in Jesus? God's great plan for believers and uh, we're looking at Luke twenty-two, twenty-three. Jesus answered and said to them, these are the disciples of John he's talking to, go and tell John the things that you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Uh, you want to read that with me? Come on. This is important for our, for our foundation of this teaching. Read it out loud. Come on. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Um, now, if, if I don't scream and yell today, it's because I already did leading worship earlier. So, uh, and uh, if you're looking for Emory, he is in Chicago uh, at, a, at a conference uh, with uh, Pastor Stevenson there and just a great crowd. I get on his Facebook or his Instagram, you'll see him all dressed up and looking cool. And when he gets back, make sure you give him a good hug because he also celebrated his birthday just yesterday or day before yesterday. So, and uh, it's a really important one for him. So he wants you to make sure you hug him and don't hug him too tight. Don't hurt him. It's okay. No, he may be watching. We love you, Emery. So um, I uh, anybody grow up watching some of these TV shows? Uh, let's make a deal or deal or no deal. Anybody ever do that? All right. Now that's the original let's make a deal. All right. That's Monty Hall. Anybody remember that? Lift your hand. Come on, old people. Where are you? All right. Some of you just not even lifting your hands. Okay. Monty Hall. When I was a kid, I thought that man is the richest man in the world. That's what I thought. He always had like 
$100 bills in his pocket and things. I don't know that I'd ever seen a $100 bill when I was 12 years old. I know my daddy didn't have $100 bills in his pocket. Uh, he always had a stash, but it was like 20 <laughs> But uh, it was... It was always kind of strange watching that. Deal or No Deal, that, that, that was a weird show as well. Deal or De No Deal, I know some of you really like it, and it's, it was a fun show. Anybody remember that? Lift your hand if you remember that show, Deal or No Deal. Uh, Howie Mandel, and uh, he was the best part of that show. It's gone now, I believe, but, but it was all just, you know, you just kind of hoped that you won, pretty much. You know, you just picked a, picked a number, pick, I'll take that box and hopefully and then you could you get you could lose everything or you might win something or you could freeze or quit or whatever and you know I always thought if I played that I would quit in a hurry I would I would take my money what I made 50 bucks I'm going home you know I, and then on on and, and I and I believe let's make a deal is pretty much the same right it's still the same uh who's on that who does that show now who wait Wayne Brady does that show now. That's right. Wayne Brady. Yeah, he's cool. He's funny, too. Uh, but uh, here, it, it, I always get a kick out of the zonk. You know, anybody remember the, that's what we, is they still call it getting zonked? You know, it's like, you want door, you want what you have or door number one. Or you can pick what's behind door number one, number two or three. And behind one is like a car and another is a trip and the other one is a, you know, is a goat, you know, or something like, what am I? And here's my thought. I always had this thought as a kid. If you got the zonk, did you take that goat and put it in your car? I mean, how did you get that home from L.A. anyway? How did you, how did, or did you, I mean, it's my goat. I'm taking it. I, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Sometimes I feel like church is a big game show. And people are just coming hoping for prizes. And does that make sense? Well, I hope I get some today, and then you walk away like, I ain't get nothing, you know. It was good, it was really good, but, you know, I got door number two, at least I didn't get zonked. I really wanted that big prize, you know, and, and sometimes even the prizes are very uh, peculiar. It's like, I came to church because I need a car. Uh, and here, here's another one. Now, this is going to sound odd. I, I don't want, because this is, this is family, and we minister to family heavily at Freedom, to your family, because we are a family of family. So we want your marriages healthy and your homes healthy. We want your parenting healthy. We want all of that. But uh, let me say this carefully so that you'll know what I'm saying. Don't, don't, don't just read everything into it. Here, here's the deal. Don't come to God just to get your marriage right. Okay? Don't, don't do that, all right? Come to God because he's God. Yes. Don't, don't, come, don't come to Jesus just because, you know, you need a mortgage payment. Come to Jesus because he's the savior of the world. So here, listen, when you come to God, get this, when, when you come to him, the Bible says he won't cast you out. And when you pick God, you're not going to get a goat. When you pick God, you're not, you're not going to get, you know, you know uh, busted on deal or no deal. That's not what's going to happen. When you pick God, when you choose Jesus, know this. He chose you before you ever chose him. That's the concept. We are the called ones. Do you understand that? We are the called. Before you knew God, God knew you. 
He's had his finger on you for a long time. You may not understand it, but Jesus, somebody thank God. I mean, he has, he just shows up and does stuff, you know. I was just thinking about how God works in all these amazing ways. Uh, Wes was playing keys today. I met Wes because Lauren and Felicia, when they got married, they moved to Lynchburg, Virginia. And they were working in a church plant there as worship leaders. And Felicia was working in an apartment complex. And Lauren was building a studio. So you say, oh, they've always been in L.A. No. All right. And Wes was going to school there. And he was a musician. And they decided to come here and do a a worship conference. Let me do a little worship and and teach them. Because they just wanted to come home, I guess. No, they they, they wanted to do that. And, And Wes... Uh, was uh, Wes doesn't even know I'm talking about him. He's hiding somewhere in the building, so I get to talk about him all I want. This is so fun. And uh, so Wes, they were doing like this camp out at the, the beach, and he wasn't feeling well, and some some kind of issue, and he had to come and spend the night at our house. All right, that was probably 2003. No, yeah, 2003, 2004, and that's how I met Wes. And then they moved here, and now he's a musician, and, and he's done, if you've got one of the Freedom CDs, it's because Wes was one of the producers and of that, the keyboard player, and did a lot of that. We're just so happy to have him here at Freedom. Now, I'm saying that, you say, well, how did, how did that all happen? It was all coincidence. It was all coincidence. Now, Moni, we were talking today a little bit about the coincidence of you walking into a particular church, you know, and... Uh, how many know God is not, a, is, is not into that? That's how God does miracles. So, so when you choose God, he's working things out. And that all things that work together deal, like something bad can happen and you'll meet somebody at the hospital. You know, I was at a hospital one day and a guy died of a heart attack. I didn't even know the guy. I was there. All I heard was a family crying. That's all I heard and knocked on the door. And... Uh, and was out of that, I ended up in a relationship with a family that needed Jesus just because I happened to be in that particular place. So I'm telling you, when you choose God, God has already chosen you, and he's in the business of blessing you, right? And sometimes what you think is a curse, God says, no, no, the reason you're in Babylon. Anybody here last Sunday? The reason you're in Babylon is because you will seek me and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. And you were searching for me with all your heart while you were in uh, Jerusalem. So we let Babylon come and now we're in relationship and we're going to raise you up, mature you, and then we'll bring you home. Listen, that was not just Israel's story. That's all of our stories. That's everybody's story. So I want to I settle some things for you today. We're going to learn and we're going to celebrate God's great plan for the future, not just you personally, but for all those who call upon the name of the Lord. What are God's great plans for believers? And we're, we're going to accomplish by taking the position of a couple of unnamed disciples. Uh, and this story is, is almost verbatim in two, in two places in the gospel, Matthew chapter 11 and uh, there in the gospel of John. But in Matthew 11, this is John the Baptist. When John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or, or do we look for another? And I, I want you to get the context of this, where John the Baptist is at this point. John the Baptist is in prison. Herod hates him, and his wife really hates him because 
his wife is not really supposed to be his wife because Herod had taken his brother's wife as his own wife. You see what I'm going? See where I'm going? And and John the Baptist was not this guy who just kind of tiptoed around everything, you know. John was a prophet like no other prophet. Listen, according to the Lord Jesus, there was never a prophet greater than John the Baptist. He, he came in the same spirit and power of Elijah. And he said, repent. Anybody remember this? John preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But sometimes people don't understand what you mean when you say repent. Repent means, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to change anything. <laughs> the word repent actually means change direction. To redirection, all right? It's to get on your ways, your GPS, and put in a new address because you're going the wrong way. So the repentance was changed direction. So the leader, it's kind of self-proclaimed king, uh, Herod is saying, uh, you know, I'll do what I want to do. While John is baptizing people and calling them to re repentance because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So uh, uh, what happens is John informs Herod that he's living in adultery. And uh, he doesn't like that. Herod Antipas, he doesn't like that very much. And, and neither did Herodias. And, not, and, and, and Salome was, is, is uh, dancing one day. And I won't go into all that story. But ultimately, Herod said, I'll give you whatever you want. And Mama whispered, hey, we want John the Baptist's head on a platter. And so that's the story. So... Uh, uh, now we see where John the Baptist is. So John is in prison by Herod. Uh, the uh, execution has not yet been declared. And while he's in prison, uh, he, is, uh, he, knows, he knows who he is. Anybody know who you are spiritually? John knows who he is. According to Scripture, John is the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And so uh, John made a big deal out of this. Some people, you know, you see people in ministry, it's like, I want to be all that. John knew he was moving under the authority of the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, he knew what he was there for. And he, and he spoke this in John 3, 29. He says this, he who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend, he, he who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Anybody see what John is saying there? He's saying, I am the friend of the bridegroom. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. So who comes from heaven? Jesus. So he says, I must Decrease, he must increase. So John is in prison and Jesus is moving around in the power of, of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' ministry has begun. Now there is a story in Luke chapter 7. In Luke chapter 7. Now John is in prison and Jesus 
uh, is, is, is busy in his ministry. And it's one of my very favorite stories ever. I'm not going to preach this sermon right now, but I've preached on the widow of Nain so many times. I just love preaching about the widow of Nain. Because uh, here I go. Here I go. I can't help myself. The widow of Nain. Jesus uh, is coming through Nain, and he comes upon a funeral procession where there is uh, a boy that has died, and there is a widow. And the, the widow, not of the boy, but the, 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 boy that's, the, the young man that's died is the widow's son. And Jesus looks at that situation, and he goes to it purely out of compassion. Nobody said, hey, hey, Jesus, Jesus, could you come and take care of this? No. Jesus, Jesus just, I don't know, I, I don't know how to say this. I don't think he was showing off, but it, I mean, he was, he was moving in power. So, but this is very important because Jesus goes over to the coffin and he, I mean, he's breaking some rules here. He puts his hand on the coffin. He touched the open co coffin and those who carried him stood still. What? And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. It kind of sounds like we were singing today, right? Somebody say, come out, come out, come out, come out. So, and, and so he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. And last line, and this report about him went throughout all Judea and the surrounding region, okay? So we see this amazing, miraculous moment. I mean, it's one thing for Jesus. Have you ever seen like a, a, a miracle rally or something and you see people and they're standing up and stuff and you're saying, yeah, I'd like to know the rest of that story, you know? I, I was actually in a service one day where I watched some, some guys pull this woman out of a wheelchair and they got her up out of the wheelchair and she kind of walked across and, you know, and I realized she wasn't healed. They were just kind of making a show. Has anybody ever seen that? Okay, Jesus, when you talk to Jesus, you get the real thing. Can I get an amen? amen. So, so uh, Jesus is moving in power, in great power and great healing. But the reason that he's doing this is as a sign. Amen. It's a sign of who he is. No one performed the miracles like Jesus performed the miracles. Am I right? And this, this is evidence of who he is in Isaiah 35 and 5. The eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf, uh, deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. That, this, is a, this is a prophecy of Jesus. He wants us to know he's not hiding. He wants everybody to know. He's, he's, everybody is paying attention, not because he has a title. You know, like, I'm, a, I'm the apostle. That's why you need to No, Jesus is moving in power and authority, and things are happening everywhere. So uh, the word is out about the power of Jesus, and the disciples come and tell John. The disciples of John are not in prison they see all this stuff, the word is out, and they go back and make a they, little prison ministry. They went to, it was funny, and they, they walked into the prison and told John about everything that was going on. And here's where my eyes were open in my study. I'm, my eyes were just open. And I, how many know sometimes a, a, other, more than one thing can be true at the same time? Does anybody know that? So 
I've always appreciated John the Baptist, always, in this particular moment. I've talked about it before. I mean, I, John the Baptist is this great, great prophet. And his disciples come and they tell him uh, what's going on in our, in our scripture in, in, uh, in, in Luke uh, chapter uh, 7. And, and so John is interested and he says, I want, you to, I want you to go and ask Jesus uh, if, if he's the one, all right? Uh, and uh, I've always thought John was just really, you know, this is strange. Are you the coming one or should we seek another? Is that what John said? He told his two disciples, I want you to just go ask Jesus if you're the coming one or we should look for another. And I've, and I've often looked at that from, I, could you imagine being in prison, being alone, isolated? And I... And I, and I get that. I think, I think in the flesh, John may have had that, but I think, has anybody ever struggled with your flesh and rejoiced in your spirit at the same time? Have you ever done that? So I, I'm, I'm looking at this and because I've been broken and I've struggled and I've questioned a lot of things, but uh, even in my darkest days, I, while I was struggling with my flesh in my spirit, anybody with me on this? In my spirit, I knew that Jesus is the Son of God, Right? And, and even, though, even though there's problems. So I visited the scripture and took notice of it. And I, the disciples have heard, seen the great headlines of the resurrection of, a, of, of the, the widow's son in Nain. And the fear of the Lord has come upon everyone. And so it is with this that Brother John hears the report, knowing that his days are about to end and that he must uh, decrease so that Jesus might increase. So Jesus is now increasing and John is really decreasing because he's in prison and he's going to be executed. And I can almost see a smile come upon John's face. What? He walked over to somebody that did not even ask and raised them from the dead? Yes. And then he's got these disciples who are about to be lost because John is in prison and he looks at his disciples and says, hey guys, I want you to go over and see Jesus. And ask him if he's the coming one or if we should seek another. Now, he might have had a straight look on his face. Anybody ever done that before? Like, a, I want you to go and ask Jesus if he's the one. But on the inside, it's like, I am so setting you up right now. I am so setting you up. I want you to go ask Jesus. Come on. I, I, I want to get into this, but uh, Listen. I was just I was driving down the road the other day and just, just headed to an appointment. The Holy Spirit just came in my car for a moment, and I'm hearing from the Lord. And this might be a simple thing for some of you. We've got to do better as believers. And as a family, we've got, come on, we've got to, God wants so much more for us than a little hope and a better relationship here and there. Does that make sense to anyone? God, you say, well, you know, if God's here with me, I'll never go through a hard time. How many know that's a lie? That's a, that's a lie, all right? And so sometimes here we are, and it's like, I'm going to come to church as long as I get a raise, as long as I get my stuff. And I'm telling you, God has so much more going on than that, and you need to get your eyes on the big picture rather than just, you know, like, oh, my bank account's here right now, or, or just my car needs, you, you know, 
and I, can, I want to say that to us as the body. We need better relationships, but it's got to go higher. It's, it's not about just this moment. I, listen, disciples, I want you to go to Jesus today and ask him if he's the one or if you should seek another. Because sometimes we get busy seeking somebody else. And we never even talk to Jesus. Or weren't paying attention. Is that deep enough for anybody? So here, just, just swiftly. First of all, Jesus wants you to know him intimately. Intimately. Now look at the scripture. When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent, sent us to you. Can you see that? <laughs> John the Baptist has sent us to you. Oh, okay. So that got him to the front of the line, right? <laughs> John the Baptist, you know, your relative, you know the story of John the Baptist and how he was born. And, and, and this is the question, are you the coming one or do we look for another? And I like the way the NKJV reads there in the King James Version, the King James Version, are you the coming one? I like the caps and all of that. Or do we look for another? At that very hour. When? Very Within the next 60, 60 minutes, right? At that very hour, Okay. At that very hour, he cured many infirmities, afflictions, evil spirits, and to many blind, he gave sight. So I want you to get this. <laughs> he walks up and says, oh, we're here from John the Baptist. And John wants to know, uh, are you the coming one or do we, we look for another? So can you see it? It's about these two guys, all right? Are you the coming one or should we look for another? And Jesus said, Okay, it's already got a multitude out there. There's blind people, there's sick people, there's people that are possessed with demons. And Jesus says, watch this. <laughs> boom, 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 heal, whole, demons running, screaming, people, I see, I can walk, people dancing. An hour of miracle, 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 miracle. Now, now be careful, because don't just see the miracle. I want you to see the sign. Can you? Any believers in this house? Anybody? Anybody a believer? How many have friends that are unbelievers? So there are some people that think that because you were a believer, be careful how I say this, that you are a few pieces of bread shy of a loaf. Because you believe in Jesus, and not only because you believe in Jesus, because you believe that the Bible is true and that Jesus is exactly who the Bible says he is, that he is the Son of God. He is the hope of the world. He did die on the cross, and he is coming again. Let me say that one more time. Jesus is not only the one who came, but he is the coming one. You hear that? He is the one that came, but he is also what? The coming one. Let me... This is testimony now, right? Because Jesus walks through and does all of these miracles and for the rest of their lives, can you imagine what they're going to talk about? What? what? Hey, last time I saw you last year at Passover and they carried you in on a bed. How is it that you ran all the way through Galilee to get here? Let me tell you. Jesus just, you're just, we were just in the crowd. We didn't even know what was going on. Evidently, he had already raised somebody from the dead, but he wasn't done that day. I'm just, they carried, I'm just laying there. Jesus comes by and says, you, stand up, and I'm up. I, I haven't, are you, are you with me on this? Man. And some of you are saying, but this is, that's what I want. 
I want to tell you, first of all, there's a testimony here. Some of you know Jesus intimately because of your testimony. Where were you when Jesus found you? I was just in a crowd. I was just... I was lost. I was, you know, I was at a bar. I was, I was watching TV, and somebody on TV spoke something that hit me. And I, all I know is I was desperate, and Jesus showed up and saved me. I didn't even ask for him to show up, but something whispered into my heart. Anybody like that? And here, it got a testimony? Come on, wave at me if you got a testimony that God found you and saved you and set you free. Anybody like that? Jesus, help me preach this the way I want to, uh, the way you want me to. Now, um, so Jesus gave them signs. But I, I want you to look at the scripture because there's more to it. Are you the coming one or do we look for another? In that very hour he cured many of infirmities, afflictions of evil spirits. To many of the blind he gave, gave sight. What did John the Baptist preach? Repent for the kingdom is at hand. Okay. Now, how many look forward to being in heaven one day? Let me tell you what happens. As, as you cross, you get this? There will be no one in heaven that is afflicted. Amen. Anybody want to celebrate that with me? All right. So, Pastor, it hurts right here. It won't hurt right there when you're right there. Somebody say, well, my vision, I don't know what's going on in my vision. There will be no vision problems, no prescription glasses in the eternal kingdom. Nobody wearing contacts. Anybody? All right. No, listen, anybody like me sometimes feel like, how did I get older? How did that happen? You know? And I get out of bed sometimes. Like, why are my feet doing that to me right now? I don't remember when I was 12 years old that going on, but you just, just that sort of thing. There will be none of the aging going on. That's what the word of God. Listen, there will be nobody, there will be no lepers that need to be cleansed, no deaf that need to be, need to be healed because, and not only that, no one will die. Because death will be destroyed. Anybody excited about that? So what is Jesus doing here? He's giving you a picture of eternity. Say, well, he's showing me what I'm supposed to do. Yes, we see, come on, we see signs and wonders. Somebody thank God for that. But some people are so into that, you're into this so that everybody can walk right now, so that everybody can get all the stuff because you're still wanting to play, let's make a deal with Jesus. I'm here because I know that Jesus is the coming one. He is the one that is coming again, and I love him, and I'm going to serve him for the rest of my life. And one day, all of us in that great multitude are going to be in the eternal kingdom. I'm, I'm going to take you deeper, all right? Not only does Jesus want to know you intimately, Jesus planned for you to know that he is coming again. Amen. Listen, he always planned for you to know that he is coming again. I'm going to get real crazy here. That doesn't surprise anybody, but look at 2 Peter. Beloved, I now write to you. Anybody ever read scripture and say, that doesn't make any sense to me. I'll just read it. Just blah, blah, blah. Just anybody do that? Just... So this is one of those. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle. Epistle is a letter. In both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. I'm reminding you of things that you should already know. Right? That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. So before there were the holy prophets, there was a season where there were prophets. Anybody remember that? Has anybody ever read the prophets? Have you read that? If you read the Old Testament, you read the law and the prophets. 
and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. So you've heard not only what the prophet said, but we are the apostles of the Lord and Savior, and you've heard this. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts. Scoffers, if I believe in Jesus, then it's going to change the way I do life. That's what that means, right? I'm going to scoff because if I don't scoff, then I'm going to have to change. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning. So here's what Peter's saying. I know you've heard this before. All the apostles expected Jesus Christ to come immediately. That he was. Now, there might have been a time where there was some of that, but it was false. Because as Peter writes here, he says, there will come a time when people will be saying, hey, where's this Jesus you were preaching about? I thought you said he was coming soon. I thought he said he was coming back. Remember, you always say, you know, Jesus said, you know, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many men, so I'll come. I'm going to go. I'm come back and take you with me. You're going to get this. Get this. So Peter is going to willfully deal with the word of God in warnings here. Listen, he's saying that there are people that will willfully reject God's word knowing that it's, get this, there are people that know the Bible, but they willfully reject it. Has anybody been there? All right. And he says this, they have willfully rejected the authority of the word of God, just like the people of Noah's day did. And what happened to them? They were washed away. They were flooded. Then he says, the world itself has been preserved for fire, and they are all going to be judged one day. Now that's in 2 Peter chapter 3, 5 through 9. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water. See, these are things that sound really weird. By which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. Everybody understand where we are now? But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. This is not a metaphor. That with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. But is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of repentance. So I know what your mindset might be. Let me give you the Jewish mindset here. The Jewish mindset has always been true regarding what, we're telling, what I'm telling you right now. In fact, the early church believed this, and then we got really smart and we kind of laid it down. Here we go. This is the belief of the church dating back to the first century A.D., the Orthodox rabbis and Hebrew scholars have taught this for thousands of years. The prophets declared it as the word of God. Isaiah 46, 9. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring, read this with me. Declaring the end from the beginning. Now because the words fall like that, you don't understand what it says. So what is he saying? In the beginning, I told you about the end. So I've always, prophecy did not come just in Revelation. 
At the very beginning, I was telling you about the end. Are you still with me? So he says this, and from ancient times, things that are not yet done. That's all about prophecy. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So this is the understanding of the word of God. It is established. They're teaching that God revealed the end in the beginning. It's not meant to be this amazing ministry. Uh, mystery. The teaching is simply this. God has always been open about his plan to return. God is not keeping secrets, all, all these secrets from us regarding his great plan. We are the church. Come on. We are not an occultic community, right? Which means a secret. We are open. God is open. Our God is not a secret keeper. He is a light giver. God wants us to live in the light for, of his word. And that's the reason for, for, for Bible prophecy. So Amos 3 and 7, surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. So how many have a calendar? Anybody have a calendar? How many have a calendar for the next 500 years? Okay, you are seriously OCD or something. So uh, how many have a calendar for a year? Does anybody have a calendar for five years and you've got plans in five years? Okay, some of you do. That's crazy. Okay, so... I have a calendar. My wife keeps a calendar for me. So let me, let me, let's talk about God's calendar that has been here since creation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Thessalonians is great. 1 Thessalonians talks heavily about the return of the Lord. Concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. Okay, now pause for a moment. Uh, when, I say, when we say thief in the night, he goes on to say, when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should not overtake you as a thief. So here's, here's the teaching. The day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night for those that are not looking for the Lord to come. That's what he's saying. You got that? The day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night for who? For those that do not know him, for those that are not believers. Do I have any believers in the room right now? So you are not in darkness. You are in light. Do you understand that? Now, this, this is important for you to understand uh, in order for you to have a proper perspective to live your lives. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 5. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. I spoke to all, somebody right there. Okay, so for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Does everybody understand that? So if you die before the Lord comes, whether you are awake or whether you're asleep, we're all going to be with him. Somebody celebrate that. No, 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 no. I'm saying let's stop playing, let's make a deal, all right? I know there's things you want, but here's the deal. If you die, you will still be with the Lord, and that is the comfort that we all have. This is going to get heavy, but come on. You know the Lord is wrapping things up. Anybody know this? How many know the Lord is wrapping things up? Can anybody? Come on, wave at me. Anybody know that? Some people say, ah, oh, this could happen. We're going to go on for thousands and thousands of years. You are so misinformed. Just pay attention. In verse 1, we hear the statement about Jesus returning as a thief in the night. I talked to you about this. We don't have to understand this. Listen, God 
uh, has given Bible prophecies so that we will be prepared. We don't know the exact day or hour when he's coming, but we do know the season. How many know this morning that fall has arrived? You know the signs, the signs of the time. And here's the importance of it all. When Jesus comes, we'll all have our heads lifted up because we're looking for the, our bridegroom. We, anybody with me? Yeah. If people say you don't know when Jesus is coming, they're right. We don't know the exact moment on the clock, but we understand. It, got any ladies in the room? It's like being pregnant and the pains. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, Feel a little nauseous, right? Feel a little, I'm, hey, that hurts. So what you understand is if you've ever been through that, you know time is coming. And you may not know exactly when, but when the pains begin and, they, and things begin to speed up, we know that he has told us that we can see that it's sooner than many think. And, and with all that said, can I talk about 7,000 years before you go? Somebody say 7,000 years. Have you read the word of God? 2 Peter 3 and 8. Beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Um, and then I, I read you in Isaiah 46 and 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am the God, and there is none other. I am God. There is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. beginning. So I want you to take note of something else that is significant in the word of God. God always counts in sevens. I mean, you, we have a hard time counting by twos. But God counts in, so there are seven days in the week, right? I mean, you might say, that's weird, but who, who set that up like that? God did. And uh, there, you know, if, if, if you understand the Jewish calendar, you understand that there are seven days of creation, seven sabbatical years. Every seventh year, Israel let the land rest, and they had seven sevens of years. And the year after that was the year of Jubilee. In the book of Daniel, there's 490 prophetic years were declared to the nation of Israel. And the angel said, and these seven of, uh, uh, sevens of years are declared for you, Israel, until the very end comes in Daniel 9 and 24. So Jewish scholars for thousands of years have taught that Genesis 1, which is the seven days of creation, corresponds to 7,000 years of human history. Right? So for us, we believe creation is a cartoon. Right? How many have ever seen, like, this is creation, you know, day one did this, day two. And then all we're doing is arguing about, really, was that one day or was that literally 24 hours? I mean, I mean, haven't you studied evolution? Don't you understand? No. God created the heavens and the earth because he is God. Amen. Right? Amen. So however you want to look at that. So the correspondence reality is that there will be a 7,000 Here's the concept, 7,000 years of human history, okay? Here's the clock, you ready? How many have ever looked at this? Uh, on the first day of creation, light was separated from darkness. Okay, now, the corresponding significant event, the first 1,000 years, the most significant event is Adam's sin, which separated him from God. Amen. That's what happened in the first 1,000 years. The second day, the waters above were separated from those below, the second 1,000 years, the most significant event was the judgment of man during Noah's flood. All right? Third day. Third day. The third day of creation, God creates plants that yield seed to fill the world. 
The third 1,000 years, God made the covenant with Abraham that his seed would fill the earth. The fourth day of creation, the lights were created in the heavens. And the fourth 1,000 years was the years of the prophets. They were given as God's lights to Israel, and Jesus came as the light of the world. Fifth, the fifth day of creation, living creatures were created. The fifth 1,000 years, Jesus died that we all might become new creatures. Somebody praise God for that. The sixth day of creation, man was created and told to fill the earth and subdue it. The sixth 1,000 years, the church is literally fulfilling the call physically and spiritually. How many know the world is full? Anybody know the world is full? Wave at me if you know the world is full. You say, well, we'll just continue for another 1,000 years. Uh, Come on, pay attention. Pay attention. The seventh day, God rested. The seventh 1,000 years, the earth will be restored and mankind will rest as Jesus rules in the millennial reign for 1,000 years. Somebody praise God. Anybody with me? Do you understand what I'm telling you? Now, now some people say, well, I, you know, I need some more proof to that. How about Revelation 20, verse 1? Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old. Anybody remember the serpent on that first day? The serpent of old, who is the devil, and Satan, and bound him for what? And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. Now, uh, I'll go on in in, in verse 4, but just so you know, this is amazing because in that millennial reign, anybody plan to be ruling and reigning with Jesus in that millennial reign? Anybody want to do that? Wave at me. Listen, folks, I'm not giving you... This is not fairy tales. This is not Marvel movies, all right? Jesus is coming back and we're going to be with him eternally. Anybody believe that? And when he chooses, we have this concept of the great catching away or the rapture of the church and all of us will be with the Lord eternally. But then we're coming back and we're going to be on the earth for a millennial, for 1,000 years. And during that time, Satan will be in chains, but then he'll be released. But there will be mortals that will be upon the planet. Did you know that? And you know what happens? Some of them will actually turn against Jesus. And then we're going to have this completion. Anybody with, with me? We're going to have this completion of it all. And when it's all settled and, and, and finished, we will all be with the Lord eternally. And there will be no more sin. There will be no more Satan. Somebody praise God with me on this. Now hear me, church. So we know with absolute certainty. Here's what we know. We're coming upon the last thousand. I don't know if you're getting me. We're coming to the last. I I don't know exactly the day or the hour, but we're coming close to the last. We're finishing this thing up. And everything that you see in the world right now points to this reality. I know you just don't want to get zonked with your job right now. And I know you just want things to be nice and everybody to like you. Can't we all just hold hands and coexist? Can't we just love it? Listen, Jesus is coming back. And the enemy knows that his time is short and he is incredibly busy deceiving the nations. He is at, I taught you about warfare. He is living in governmental places and telling, am I right? And, and trying to deceive the governments. He's trying to deceive kings and queens. He's trying to deceive them. And don't be, don't be sucked into this. My mind is set upon the return. Are you the one or should we look for another? Folks, there is 
only one. The entire earth, the time has changed according to the coming, to the death, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So get your mind off of trivial things and look to the heavens because Jesus is coming and he's coming very soon. Time to preach anything else. Jump to your feet. Everybody jump to your feet. Stand with me. Come on, clap your hands one more time with me. I could give you more parallels. So, Pastor, that's, that's not enough for me. Remember Isaiah 46. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none other, declaring the beginning. Somebody shout signs. signs. Okay, so when Jesus is performing miracles, what's he doing? Signs. Okay, all we want to do is see miracles, but what Jesus was giving was signs. When Jesus was 30 years old in John chapter 2, he was at the wedding of Cana of Galilee. Anybody remember that? When he was at the wedding, this is the way it opened. Jesus had already been to the temple. Mary took him home and said, son, it's not time yet. Somebody thank God for good mamas. Anybody? But when he was 30 years old, he's just going to a wedding here in Cana. And according to scripture, the, the master of the house came and said, we don't have, we've run out of wine. We've run out of wine. And Jesus said, Mary went to Jesus and said, can you do this? And he said, woman, what's this got to do with me? Is my time? Yeah. Jesus, it's your time. And so he performed a sign. If you look in scripture, in verse 6 of John 2, there were set six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons of beast. Most people love this scripture because they just want permission to drink wine. <laughs> well, Jesus turned the water to wine. Okay. You're about that deep. About, about that deep. Wake up. This is not about this. In fact, I already read you need to be sober, so... Six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. Master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine and when the guests have well drunk then the inferior you have kept the good wine until now verse 11 this beginning of signs jesus did at cana of galilee and manifested his glory all right anybody see this that's what he says so he's at this wedding six water pots not three not twelve not four six six water pots at the beginning of jesus ministry so at the very beginning of jesus ministry what was he doing He was at a wedding serving heaven's wine. What does Jesus do at the very end of his ministry in Matthew chapter 26? He hands them a cup and says, I want you to drink this, but you will not drink it again with me until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. This is a sign, it's symbolic, that after six 
he will serve heaven's wine at the wedding feast. When 6,000 years have been fulfilled, we will be at a wedding drinking heaven's wine with Jesus. So when I say that we're living at the end times, I'm not being hopeful and making things up. When you look at time, please know that we are very, very close. Very, very close. How am I going to finish this? Close your eyes. I'm telling you as a servant of the Lord that I have met Jesus and he is the coming one. And I'm telling you that you put everything else aside right now. Some of you are just, you're saying, I want healing. You need to want the healer more than the healing. Anybody heard that Natalie Grant song? Some of you say, well, you know, I just, I need stuff. I need prosperity. I need this. Jesus says this to you this morning. What you need is the Savior of the world. And if I can just put a little fire under your feet right now, I'm going to tell you this. It is with expectation now. Every day I get up and wonder if this will be the day. How many know it could be the day? Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Here I go. Here I go. I want some altar workers to come and stand with me as well as I'm doing this. Come on. As, as, I'm, as I'm praying with you. Come on. Close your eyes for a moment. If there are those of you that would say, Pastor Rick. I want what Jesus has for me. I want salvation. I want healing. But mostly what I want. I want to be with him one day when he comes. And I, I, I want to be his. And I surrender my life to Jesus today. Would you just wave at me and say, I'm surrendering my life over to Jesus. Wave at me. Today is the day. There you go. I'm just surrendering my life over to the Lord Jesus. I'm giving my life up to Jesus. I surrender it all. Some of you need to give your lives to the Lord. You need to surrender your lives to the Lord. So let's pray. Let's just say, say, just tell him, tell him, Lord, I'm giving my life up to you. I surrender my life to you. I realize you could come any day. And so I'm giving my life up to you. And Father, I pray for this congregation now because there are those who have not made your return a significant part of their discussion in life. And I pray now, Holy Spirit, come rest upon us. Change our minds in Jesus' name. Now here we are. Jesus is the coming one. So I've got these people. And the Bible says in these days that signs follow them that believe. Signs, 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 signs. Jesus is the coming one. So now we're just going to walk in this. All right? So whatever you need from the Lord, whatever healing, whatever issue that's going on in your life, I don't want you to come just simply for that. I want you to come to know that Jesus would like to touch your life, to save your soul, to heal your body. He would like to touch your mind. He would like to deliver you from demonic oppression, whatever you need from the Lord, and we're ready to pray for you now. So I break the, 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 the bondage that the enemy has placed upon people to be set free, and I call you now. I call you out for whatever you need from heaven. I want you to leave your seats and start moving to the front for whatever you need from God.